You need to go full communist China and disappear this dog. And welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal here to suck just a little bit less every day. My name is Chris Tonkinson. And my name is Frankel. And this is episode number 99. So close. Recorded March 7th, 2023. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well, thank you. How about yourself? Uh, I am I am even closer to the brink of sanity today. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So I, I get mea culpa. I, we're going to defer. Uh, I actually think that we want to talk about this on air. It's a little meta, uh, but we are next episode is a birthday for the refactored podcast. Mm -hmm. And I want to celebrate that episode. 100 is coming up. It'll be a bonanza. Uh, <laughs> so, but I, I do, I do think we want to talk a little show next week. And I know, I know you, you don't like talking about podcasting on the podcast. I get it, but uh it's a 100th episode. I think it's okay for at least a few minutes uh, to share some things with the audience. There are two things specifically that I will tease. One is, why in the flying bleep have the episodes not been going out regularly lately? Uh, <laughs> we have, we have, there's a reason that this is happening, and there's a lesson that I think uh, we should share with the audience uh, and provide a solution, right? We can, we can demonstrate how we suck less every day sure. by the way that we are planning to solve that particular problem. So it's a failure mode of our workflow that we are fixing. And so I'll tease that for next week. Um, and we've also got news next week, uh, which would be pretty cool. It's a it's a next step for the show, uh, which I'm kind of excited for, um, which will stretch us a little bit into into some new areas. So that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. um, so look out for the look out for episode 100. Yeah, whenever that comes. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully next week I, I, hopefully given next the week. track record it, it might be next week it could be three weeks from now dropped late who who knows at this point that's yeah. my fault um i so i'm i'm coming in like i'm screeching in here i have uh i have distractions today first of which is uh i have i have before me uh a new uh macbook another one um Yes, it is an upgrade uh, back to the teaser. There's a reason that I upgraded. Um, actually, there are several, but, but the show is one of them. Um, so I have a nice new shiny M2 Max machine, oh, uh, which I'm excited to put through its paces. Um, and, you know, I could say that it's because, well, I need the screen real estate for productivity. I could say that uh, there are specific reasons I need the newer architecture for what we're going to be doing with the show. There are... Um, yeah, there are efficiencies. There's all sorts of stuff, but we all know here on the refactored show, right? We're, we're, this is a safe space. Uh, I can, I can say out loud the real reason that I upgraded, uh, to a better and with a larger screen, um, device is because the factory must grow. And so this, this sustains my, my ever, uh, my ever growing addiction to Factorio. That is the real reason <laughs> that you, that you spend unholy amounts of money for Apple devices is mm -hmm. to sustain sustained addictions right that's that's the real reason everybody knows usually it's just an addiction to having um you know a, a computer device with a uh, with a fruit logo on it and you know shiny shiny brushed aluminum that, that tends to be yeah, what well, I, I think, mean that, that that seems to be it for most people i'm i mean uh, if you look no no and it is it is real because guess what there is a very specific reason that the apple logo is upside down if you look at a macbook the logo is upside down 
Right, but then when you, you are looking it, at it, when, when you are looking at it, yeah. mm-hmm. which from my perspective would be the more important thing. When I look at my laptop and mm-hmm. I go to open it, I see the logo the way it should be. No, no, no. It's upside down so that when it's open, other people, other people can see, can see right. mm-hmm. with the correct perspective, right? That The, mm-hmm. the Apple is a, a is master a class on image. No, it not is absolutely not. A, there's a committee that went through. This took months to decide on which direction to flip the logo and on the yet, laptop. Absolutely. And yet these are the same geniuses who de- who thought that it would be a smart move to design a, a wireless Mac that has the charging port on the underside of the mouse, thus negating any ability to use the dang thing whilst it's being While charged. It's charging. Yeah, it's genius, when, genius when stuff. Every other device, there. every other device in that sector had made the correct choice. And, just, you know, <laughs> just so yes, to be different. Some, some, there's some genius there, and then there's some, some not so genius. I, I think that that. Uh, I tell you, you what, know. like, uh, this is one of the very few times you hear me say this. I'm kind of a fan of some government action here because it looks oh, like the really? EU. It looks like the EU is going to force them into the USB-C ecosystem for their handheld devices. Oh, so good. for uh, I think some of the newer iPads may already have it, but for iPhones, we're expecting that the new generation will be USB-C charge, which which will actually be pretty great. Um, yep. Well, this goes. I so. I said this on the show, gosh, months ago that you know, like I, I called Apple on their on their BS because they. Oh no no we're 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 totally USB C. Look look our our laptops use USB C. And I thought yeah, but your iPhone doesn't. You're still using well, that, no, that well, stupid magical no, but, separate Thunderbolt cable. Yeah. So, but that's not even the worst of it though. You skipped over the thing. Yeah. Okay. The laptops use USB C, but not to charge. <laughs> they can charge. Now, to be I was fair, say, I think you the, can. At least yeah. the newer ones, the they new can ones. charge over USB C, but they take up real estate that should go to a fourth USB C port, and and have this MagSafe, uh, this special MagSafe nonsense on the side of it. It's right. Like, why? Why do you need? Why? Why is? Why is that a thing? I don't know. I'm, I'm oh, into it, oh, and I get char- it. Oh, oh well, right, right, the charging you, on the yeah, 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 okay. All right. If you I, if I you trip right over right. it, then it pops up. Well, guess what? No other hardware manufacturer in the world wastes time and money and effort uh, to try to bend over backwards for people tripping over cords. It's nothing that anybody else cares about. <laughs> like what? Convince me that that's a good investment. Convince me that that shouldn't just be a fourth USB C port. Mm. I Other mean, than that, you get to sell extra Chrome, hardware. Chromebooks I don't, do it. My kids have Chromebooks from school, and they and they have a um, a USB C. Yeah, where is the outcry? They have a bunch because of where's where is the outcry that oh I tripped over my cord and it broke? Dumb machine! Like there's the 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 uh, the meme of the kid riding the bike that jams the stick in the front spokes, right? Like yeah. where's the person yelling at the hardware manufacturer for USB C charging? Yeah, I, I like, think, that doesn't exist. No, but I think. That, all right, I, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to give Apple a little bit of credit here because they came Ew. out with this. I know they came Look, out. Now I'm with sitting their- here. I have like all of the Apple toys literally right in front of me on my desk, and I'm saying "ew" here. And you're and yeah, and you're actually the, the there's layers of irony here. You're the one with all the Apple toys, and you're and you're giving them crap. I I use Apple under duress, and <laughs> I'm actually giving them. I'm actually trying to give them some credit here. <laughs> The, this is a weird day, my this friend. This is a very weird day. So the charging cable thing, they've done that for years. I mean, that goes back, it's at least 10 years. Oh, forever. It goes, yeah. Yeah, it's, it uh, goes practically back forever. speaking, forever. Yeah. And, and it, 
And when it came out, genius move because it actually was easier to plug the thing in. You didn't have to get it one way or the other. It was really you, good. You give them it, that. Yeah, you didn't have you the didn't have superposition to, problem. You yeah. didn't have a superposition problem. And it's true. You didn't risk ripping the cable out and breaking it and things like that. They're, they're, that's nice. But this also came at a time when the profile of these laptops was much thicker and you had real estate, physical real estate, to have more ports. As these guys got more and more minimalistic, like I've got one of them sitting under my desk here. The profile of this thing, the difference between, do they still make the MacBook Air? Is that still a thing even? They do, yeah. They do mm-hmm. still make the Air? Yeah. The profile difference between the Air and the standard MacBook is just getting, the difference is getting almost negligible because there's there's no there's no profile um, to these things. You can't, there's no ports on the dang thing. The, so the there's profile, no real estate. Yeah, I, the, the bigger difference is it's less profile, more weight. MacBook Air is meaningfully lighter. It is it is a little sure. thinner. But to your point, the standard MacBook and MacBook Pro have gotten so thin that like, do you really need something even thinner? Right. And, and so there's no yeah. real estate for more ports. So as it's gotten thinner, they've done less and less peripheral attachment, plug-in, connection, whatever. And, and back in the and back in the dark times, uh, USB A ports. Remember, they used to be double stacked on a lot of laptops. Right. Yep. Yeah. You could. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. You get a sing, you get a single, and they're all side by side. And so the amount of real estate along the the side profiles yeah. for these ports has just shrunk, which means that that power cable has progressively gotten, you know, ratio wise, bigger and bigger and more more clunky. Yeah. And so it does make sense. They've reached a point now where you know it does make sense to to get rid of it, but. At the time, I don't think that it was necessarily a bad thing. But now, yeah, I mean, just it was do- at the time it was a gimmick, and you know, maybe it was a good one. I, I don't, I don't know anybody that tripped over a cord and broke something and True. got pissed off yeah. about it. But I, you know, it does. It is a thing. It has happened. I'm not saying it never happened in history, uh, but these days, like just, just USB C. I don't know. It's Mm-hmm. They're annoying. And by the way, I don't I don't love Mac. You so you you give Apple a bunch of crap for being Apple and you happily lean into Windows for the last 20 years. Like mm-hmm. I, I, that's not a really defensible position either well, if you really start to unpack it. Now there is a I'll see if oh man, I'll never find it. So I uh, I remember somebody did a succinct argument around this topic, but the, it was iPhone versus Android. And it was mm-hmm. the, oh, why would you use Android over iPhone? And they, they it was a very ele- elegant um, argument describing how iPhone is not, is, not a, is not a platform. It's just a tool that you use. It is what it does. You're a how- tool. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. All right. Fine. I mean, yeah, that was really bad. It, it was really bad, but I'll give it to you. So... Uh, iPhone is not a platform. It's a tool. It just, it's a phone. It is a mobile phone that does all the things that any, any human who wants and needs a mobile phone can do. Android by contrast is a platform that allows you to take, you know, you can do the phone things, but then Mm -hmm. you have the ability to build on top of it. You can actually, you know, turn it into something new. Um, it, okay, you know, so the guy's coming up with like uh, he thinks a clever way to describe an open versus closed ecosystem. Yeah, which I, is which is not unfair. If and if you yeah, want to take that to the extreme, and that's where I was you can go make the, the argument. Thing. If you want to take that to the extreme, you can make the argument. Oh yeah, you want to talk about building on top of it? Windows is not exactly your your panacea there, my friend. No, but it's you want to not. talk about 
that the, taking that argument to its logical extreme, really an iPhone, and it's it's gotten more open over time, but it, the, the argument, the core argument still stands. Um, it is a really expensive feature phone, right? Because because what gets loaded on there has to be blessed by the holy fruity empire. It it can only do certain things in certain ways. It must conform. It's got to fit into the the square pegs. Got to fit into the square hole. Kind of like a feature phone, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, uh, yeah. It's because yes, you can do some of the same stuff, but that's not what it's intended for out out of the box. And I think Windows is the same way. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's elegant. I'm just saying the the intent and the default posture is is what matters here. You know, Apple makes a whole bunch of decisions for you on on the iOS platform and on the mobile platform about what you can and cannot do and how things can and cannot be done. Windows and Android, by contrast, do not make the same prescriptive, highly prescriptive stance. They don't take the same highly prescriptive stance. It's much more of an open-ended platform. Can you develop apps on both? Yes. Can you, you know, can you do some of this? Yes. But, but the restrictions, uh, the restrictions on macOS are far less. I think the comparison is far less apt between macOS and Windows as it is from iOS to Android. Because you're right, you're not wrong with the iOS versus Android comparison, right? Mm-hmm. One's a tool, one's a platform. And the yeah. tool, it's a fancy tool and it has lots of plugins, but it's still just a tool. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, your Android is more of a broader platform. But even that, uh, you gotta, you gotta work for it. You know, like it's not something that's on by default. Right. Um, because you can sideload and you do all that stuff, but you got to kind of, you know, void the warranty by breaking the sticker to some degree. Yeah, know? exactly. Most people are getting, because most a bigger people sticker. are not doing that. Though. It's a bigger, right. Most people aren't, but the people that are, it's a, that's, oh, a, yeah. it's a bigger yeah. void warranty sticker on the Apple side. No, than people on the have been, side. so that's, people that's have really been shocked. People have been shocked for years uh, that I'm because I you know work remote and a lot of people I work with I don't meet for years I I never meet or or meet in person years later um, they're always surprised when I pull an, an iPhone out of my pocket because they know what an open source nut I am they know what a Linux fanboy I am they know you know programmer hacker all this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. uh, they're shocked and it's like look it's this to me it is just a tool it is just a you this is not some computing platform to me I need it to do a very limited set of things reliably when I need it done and to me iOS works for that you know and mm-hmm. then you know I got some other toys now that fit in with the ecosystem blah blah but, but um, yeah yeah, yeah I got you I, so this so anyway that's uh, so that's the thing that's happening um, and I I hope that I, I pray that this next episode will go out on time and that we are okay <laughs> uh, because I told you I'm on the brink of sanity um, have you ever had your uh, have you ever had a family member gift one of your children a brand new puppy by surprise oh gosh no oh you ever had heavens. that experience no because last time we talked I hadn't either and I'm assuming that that you, you, you're you, that binary switch went from zero to one in the intervening time. Is that what I'm under, given to understand from the implication yes. in your tone? <laughs> there, there were many reasons why we did not have a dog, and now we have a dog. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh, I'm so, so sorry. So, so that happened first thing Saturday morning, and we have been uh, a little frazzled ever since uh because so now somebody at work um somebody at work uh on monday said oh it, you know it's just like having a kid 
No. First of all, full stop. No. 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 That is that is bleeping wrong. I am sorry. <laughs> I have three of those running around the house barking and chewing on furniture, and I can tell you it's nothing like a dog. Yeah, it's, now, let me let me make this clarification, though. It is like a kid in that it it has similarity to. It is my my protest is with using the word just. It is not just like a kid. Mm-hmm. It is similar to. It's not mm-hmm. just like that. Anyway. Um, but <laughs> Because one of the reasons we didn't have a dog is because we still have a toddler running around here in diapers. We're like, well, at least let's get that one potty trained before we have something else crapping on the floors, you know, um, and waking up uh, once or twice a night. So now we've got two different little things waking us up at night, obviously on different schedules because they're not going to coordinate. Was your, it has been. Was your was your wife at least aware that this was happening? No, no, no. We, this was a surprise. Okay. This was a, this was, we, Okay. Is there is there a was, body? Hey, you, is there a body you need to get rid of? We need to get our story straight. Okay. <laughs> no, I I already bought the what is it acid uh, uh, lye. No, yeah, it's already, uh, the it's already yeah, the it's decomp, taken yeah. care of. Yeah, it's all taken um, care. Of. No, this was. Hey, you guys going to be home tomorrow? I want to come over. I have something for the kids. Right, just innocuous, <sighs> and then. And then whammo, here's this, here's this, is, this living this thing is, that you have to res- be responsible for the next decade and a half. This is a uh, okay. So this is a massive. It's this a, a fox pass. This is a massive. It is a facet. It's a fox pass. Yes. It's a. It's a massive, massive faux pas. This is so wrong on so many levels. I mean, I would be inclined to give it back if you really didn't want to. It's I mean, a foul. It's a party that's a foul. Massive for sure. foul. That that is. Oof. You you do you do not spring a pet on somebody. It's not like you brought over a bottle of wine. You know, or well, a table. It's a right, table. and like, <laughs> like, like a goldfish or, or a even cricket a gold would be fish. one thing. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but like a dog. That's like no. the worst. I, maybe a caiman or or something else exotic <laughs> might be worse. But a dog within the parameters yeah, see, of normal ca- American household life, a dog is about as extreme as you can get on somebody by surprise. Yeah, but see, even a caiman, it's it's not even they're not pets in the same way i mean you could probably you know take care of it and then hand it off to someone else and whatever you know like oh my gosh and so throw it outside and let it so was the death so they the this was presented to the kids at the same time it was presented to you you had no window of opportunity to object the way my philosophy work life my philosophy is disagree and commit right you and i have talked about this before i think that's the only Mm -hmm. responsible way to to have a team is disagree and commit if we're going to propose something and somebody thinks it's the wrong idea say it Mm -hmm. be loud let's fight about it let's yell up like let's get it out on the table let's clear the air let's make sure everybody knows where everybody sits and we've got this thing from all different angles and at some point a decision has to be reached not everybody's guaranteed to be happy once we reach a decision. Now it's everybody's responsibility to treat that as if it's their own and execute it accordingly. We didn't get a disagree uh, period here, so we just jumped straight to commit uh, yeah. with with the dog. Um, I, I would be, I mean, if I, so my wife and I, I've tried to put myself in this situation. We've talked about because you've got like 12 cats, six oh, chickens, a, a rooster, four dogs, and a guinea pig, right? You're, a, you're, got a, you're got a regular you're it's Farmer a, John over there. It's a freaking zoo, but it, but there is a method to the madness. It's just cats. There's no dogs. Huge difference in how in, in maintenance of, of cats versus dogs. Yeah. So we've, we've agreed no dogs. 
We do have chickens, but again, they're not pets, although they are they do all have names now. They're not pets the same way they stay. Once outside. you name it, you can't eat it. Uh, Come I, on now. I know. I know. That's I that's where my head went first. That's where my head went first. I didn't want to name any of them. I didn't want to name any of them so that when, you know, times got hard and you know, I I'd, I'd put one of them bitches in the air fryer and not think twice about it, you know? That would be it. Um, my wife uh my wife likes the show 30 rock um and there's some scene where one guy's like oh you know there were there were times where you know we had rock soup to eat and then there were the lean times yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that came to mind (laughs) so uh yeah so we've we've got a bunch of cats uh and a bunch of chickens that are just giving us eggs and actually getting us more familiar with our neighbors. We have a walking path that uh, uh, abuts our, our property. And so we have people walking past the house all the time and now they see all the chickens and that has become an opportunity they want to, to stop just and like talk stop to and talk. I, that part of it, I actually get behind. It's, it's a good excuse to be uh, first, social. Wait, first cats, then chickens. Now you got more people to deal with. This no. has gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> That, and that is the constant joke my wife makes that you know, she she did this. It, these, these are all these are all underhanded ways for her to turn me into to get me out of my socialized, my, herbit, my antisocial hermit, yeah. hermit lifestyle, being, a, yeah. being just a total recluse. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff, but we don't have a dog. And if I'm in your shoes, I... Mm, I think the kids are old enough now that I might actually be able to explain the situation and say, no, we're not keeping this. Get the hell out of the house. And how dare you? How dare you do this? My disappointment is immeasurable. We well, that that's certainly true that we, we had talked about it. And I mm, not that I'm not that I'm anti pet, but I'm not really pro pet uh, yeah, for a bunch I mean, of reasons. That's fine. Yeah. Um, my wife's the vet. So she does all the. I mean, like this is her bag. I'm kind of along yeah. for the ride, but she knows we have all these pets because she has all these pets. And so I help out, but this is, this is her thing. Yeah. Definitely I, thing. You know, we've, I had animals when I was a kid. We had a, we had a cat when we first got married, you know, it's like, it's not a big deal, I guess. Um, but the, the joke around the house is that, you know, uh, no animals, dad won't allow it. You know, that whole, you know, we play up the joke and, and, you know, and, and the joke was that I figured, okay, after a couple of years, I'll probably lose, right? Mm, once, mm. once at least, at least once the youngest is fully poly, fully potty trained, maybe even off to kindergarten himself, mm-hmm. I figured at that point I would probably lose and somebody would show up, uh, you know, with a, with a pet, with a dog, um, so we knew like at some point there was some sort of tacit agreement alignment that we would get one at some point, but like that wasn't now. So to say like, we're not going to keep like, make a fuss, like it's a couple of years early and it just makes it a pain because we have a two year old, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, it's a pain, but like it, it wasn't that we had had the agreement that we are never going to have a pet and that's a firm line. You know, it was like a not yet thing. So mm-hmm. like we weren't quite that far with it. You know, and then the kids see it and they fall in love and they give it a name and the name changes 12 times in the first six hours. You know, um, <laughs> we finally settled on a, on a name, mm-hmm. you know, and so that it becomes kind of difficult to, un- <laughs> we were joking. This is horrible. We are terrible, terrible people. We were joking last night. Like, ah, oh, you know, we've got, I figure like a couple of weeks worth of window 
for something quick and painless, but tragic to happen to the poor puppy. Uh, and we can get out of this scot Oh, yeah. No, you, I mean, you totally, <laughs> the dog, no, no, it doesn't even have to be totally tragic. The dog ran away and then you effectuate a return to yeah. wherever this, this mangy mutt came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if it's, I mean, if it's a pound dog, they, they, oh, they said- do, the pounds will take them back because they don't know what the behavior is going to be. And if it's not a fit for your family, so, yeah. so the, the local shelters will absolutely, they would prefer that, that you, that you yeah. actually return them. So, yeah. I mean, if this happened on Saturday, I, I'd say you're still in your window. You still, no, this in was, fact, why this are was you, like a, why are this you was recording? Like a, go, go, <laughs> go now. Go, I mean, you get, need to go get the you, keys, man. You need to go full communist China and disappear this dog. <laughs> I, I hang on. I have to go rent a, rent a windowless van. <laughs> <laughs> the dog the dog was too outspoken about the rules and regs of this house and it just it just disappeared one day it, it disrespected the leadership mm-hmm. exactly oh, disrespected man. the leadership i yeah outspoken critic of uh that stuff it was oh, far man. too outspoken That's, yeah it's it's nice it's nice that we can make those jokes in this country, but oh man, thank God for the freedoms we have. Oh, I mean, um, yeah, I mean that was that was definitely like a dark stuff, joke, but yeah, oh yeah, abso- this does absolutely does actually happen. happen. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent happens. It's gross. I, there's a I, story. I there's am, a scary ass story about I, God. Yeah, I, I am. I, I what I can say is that I am personally aware of a real situation where someone was, uh, let's say, de-escalated in their social posture due to things adjacent to outward disagreement with a policy from certain yellow honey loving supreme leaders mm. <laughs> i um i read a story that apparently they um they have a um china has a much higher rate of uh a higher rate of uh, successful transplants in the sense of how much time it takes for a new organ to become available. And the, the very dark story is that a lot of these people that get disappeared are actually just being used as organ farms. They, they, they take these people and then they use them for, for transplants to, um, you know, people inside the party, you know, but the, the no, it's ice. Something pretty, maybe we were listening. That's pretty scary ass stuff. Right we might have been listening to the same thing because this was a few weeks ago, a couple of months. I, I've lost all sense of time now. Um, if I if I had one, it's even farther gone from me mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. There was something recently. I was listening to a a, a show, podcast, whatever um, about uh, how the the party leadership, like the party officials, um, are like super old, and they've all had like multiple transplants mm-hmm. and they all seem to get them pretty quickly mm-hmm. and like it's not how is this possible yeah like uh that's kind of dark it's yeah it's super dark it's i mean it's, it's evil crap but no let's there, let's man. have them make all of our shoes that can't go wrong yeah I, let's not get too too political here on the refactor <laughs> yeah, show but i'm sorry to, to hell with communism I, I, yeah can I'm we just say, say to hell with I communism if 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 i can't if i can't get behind if if this audience can't get behind communism is bad I, I there's there's probably not enough ground between it's us just, to, yeah, to, like, to meet on. So they, like, the, I'm sorry, that's going to be a bare minimum that and, communism is bad because it, it fails every it time it's even, tried. I, I, well, no, that's it. That's it. It doesn't have to be a philosophical, like practically speaking, it has failed every single every time single it has time. been tried. <laughs> uh, there's a, gr- so there's a great meme just, of, there's a great meme of Venezuela 
uh, th that, uh, oh boy, you know, really rich country, tons of oil. What if we throw just a little bit of social crap and then the next slide is just, it's just debris everywhere. It just <laughs> looks like Beirut. It's, a, it's just a hellscape. This is a total hellscape. <laughs> oh man. Doesn't work. Does not work. No. Um, no, not not so much. Yeah. So I wanted to follow up on the conversation we had last week about um, how perfection was the enemy. Do you remember talking about that? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, because because it, it very often is. Right. And one of the things that we, we didn't. Talk I mean, did we just do. Do we just summarize an hour show in three seconds? Uh, I mean, <laughs> kind of. We were talking about perfection as being the enemy when it came to, um, God, what the heck were we talking about? It was perfection as the enemy in, in just sort of getting things done and making decisions, just generally speaking, that perfection was the enemy. But yeah, we didn't talk about the, the all the perfection is the enemy of what, you know, what in contrast to, or versus, you know, okay. So if I, if, if I don't shoot for perfection, we, we talked about it in the negative. We didn't talk about it in the affirmative. The, if we don't shoot for perfection, what should we aim for? And I thought that that was a, a missing piece of the the dialogue that we had had. And I think right at the outset, I think a lot of people's heads will naturally go to, okay, well, you don't go for perfection. You go for good or great or good enough or something like that. But I actually don't think that that's what you do either. And again, when I talk about perfection here, we're talking about in terms of defining the work that you do, the quality of a deliverable system design and development, yeah, the feature development, and, you know, how you're getting things done and to what level you are getting mm -hmm. them done. And when you're when you're doing, especially as a group, but it can happen individually as well. Perfection is never good in those situations because you end up spinning your wheels and things like that. And so so mm -hmm. that was the idea. OK. So what, what should you shoot for if, if that's not the marker? Because you need something in front of you. You need to, you need to have a, a goal to shoot for. If that's not the marker in, sure. in, front of, in front of you, what is? If it's not perfection, what is it? And it's, I don't think it's good or great or good enough. Those, to me, are definitions of quality. And depending on the situation, okay. good may be sufficient. Even, even weak or poor might be sufficient. I'll give you a perfect example. I'm working on a project right now for the company and I needed to build a, I'm, I'm building a formula for, of, of SKUs, SKUs for my, for our product line. And it's not a simple product. So it's not a simple SKU. Mm -hmm. And so I'm developing effectively a formula to do this. And my, my programmer head went right to software development because I can see all sorts of fun ways where, you know, we build the SKU and then it pumps out uh, descriptions and even legal documentation as well as checklists for the internal teams when it comes to the pre-sales and the post-sales, all kinds of fun stuff that, that I could do with this. But right now, we're just sort of determining what the formula is and trying to capture the major gotchas for the various configurations. Like if you do this mm -hmm. option and this option, that that can't work. This is this is This is impractical. And so... I started out just pen and paper, which is, I mean, for a program, for a formula, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's pretty basic. That's pretty weak sauce, you know, over, you know, over the long term. And 
that became not good enough. And then I moved to a spreadsheet. And I was using a spreadsheet with some basic formula macro type of things to do a little bit of magic. And that was okay. better. A little bit. That's a little more programming. I have an old. So now are you. Now, I'm sorry to, to go on a, okay. a, a tangent here, but, uh, but you tangent. are looking, when you say a spreadsheet, you are looking at like a current, uh, like a current data, like a current uh, extract of all of the products and then pulling bits and pieces out of that to like, is that what you mean by spreadsheet or no, I'm actually talking or maybe about, the detail I'm asking about doesn't matter. No, that's, that's I, I mean, that's how it started, but because there were so many variables building that giant list of all the possible combinations, it would have been hundreds of thousands of lines long. It was just ridiculous. There's, there's too much dimensionality to it. So I was actually using the, um, I was using, you know, drop down dynamics to try and gotcha. you know, build gotcha. it. And, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, I have an old co- a colleague of mine who says that Excel is actually arguably one of the most successful programming platforms ever created. And I don't, I don't think he's wrong. It's, it's just, I don't you know, know that you can disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's just so easily accessible and universally available that anyway. So, so I started from weak paper. I went to slightly weaker spreadsheet and then I started doing some, uh, I moved it into from Excel. I moved it to Google sheets because that allowed me to have one location that everybody could look at. I didn't need to pass it around. Uh, I did some app script dynamics. Um, Google sheets has some drop down capabilities inside of a sheet that allow you to do some fun stuff. And so now it's looking more like a, like a proper program, but again, it's in Google sheets. The company is Microsoft based. They don't, they don't use Google sheets anywhere else. You know, as far as an actual programmatic implementation here, it's pretty weak. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty lousy, but again, that's not the point. The point is to build and design for whatever is necessary to achieve the desired outcome. That was sort of where I landed. And so satisfactory is kind of not good, not great, satisfactory. Well, what is satisfactory? It's going to vary based on the situation. And so you need to consider all the inputs and outputs to determine what that actually is. Maybe the quality of the thing that you produce needs to be really, really good. Anything customer facing tends to have a really high level of quality attached to it. But for an internal project like this, it was you assume you assume too much about me caring about my customers. <laughs> sure, that's a fair. I mean, that's a fair counterpoint. I mean, some companies don't. Some cut, co- you know, for for some the, the companies, old, uh, the customer isn't the old, really uh, the customer. Yeah, yeah. The old uh, Futurama line: uh, "Please, you give me too little credit." <laughs> <laughs> the and in some cases, you know, companies just kind of sell to the executives and then. The product never yeah. really takes off, but they already made their sale at the executives and they've moved on. They don't in, in, in those kinds of situations, I'm not saying it's good or bad, probably bad, but I'm not, you know, w- w- without making a, you know, uh, without, without taking a stance, they don't necessarily really care about the customers. So even that, that yeah. that's not necessarily true. It's all about satisfactory, reaching the desired outcome, reaching the intended objective goal. That's the thing that you have to think about. And whatever it takes for to reach that goal, whatever I would say, whatever your minimum bar is, that's what you should be shooting for. If you if you overshoot that, that's just wasted effort. That's just that's just wasted time, money to deliver on a thing that would have taken far less. Uh, I had a video class, a videography class in college. And for our final project, we had to do a video and it, you know, we had to do our own 
recording and we had to do editing and, you know, voiceover and, and, you know, you know, background and all, all that kind of stuff. Use all the techniques that we had learned. Well, that's fun. Yeah, it was actually, it was a lot of fun. We did this whole shtick about the, about the life of the trials and travails of parking at our university. Because there were mm-hmm. all these obtuse rules about where you could park and when you could park. And you like mm-hmm. everybody could got stupid tickets all the time for stuff. And so we yeah. turned it you into ever, a little. You ever wind up with a boot? I wound up with a boot once. I, I was didn't, pissed. Oh, my gosh. I would be pissed, too. Yeah. I never wound up with a boot, but I didn't wind up with some dumbass tickets that I thought were yeah. bull crap. And I was able yeah. to argue my way out. So anyway, we, we turned this. We had a lot of fun. We used Mario Kart music in the background. Like we had a ton oh, of nice. fun putting this whole thing together. Nice. It was ridiculous. Uh, one of my guys, one of the guys on my team went so went so bonkers. He ended up doing a stop motion sequence with with uh, no way. Wheel car. It was nuts. It was That's it was awesome. nuts. And we actually we, there was supposed to be a limit on how long it was supposed to be. We went way over that limit because we were just having so way much fun with past it. it. Yeah. And so, you know, like we didn't need to do all that effort. It was such an overcommit to to get the A. Like if I, if I just want the A, you know, I, I, I could have saved myself a ton of time and energy getting there. Now we had fun doing it and, and that's fine too, but having fun doing a thing is not really a valid, generally speaking, not really a valid reason to do anything in a business setting. I'm not saying don't have fun with work, you know, but in, in generally you, you, you do what you need to do to get the job done reach the satisfaction, reach the goal, move on to the next thing. And overcommit is wasting the company's time and money. It's wasting your time and money when you could be moving into other things. And so if you're shooting for perfection, stop it. That's what we were talked about last week. Instead, the new piece this week, instead of shooting for that, shoot for satisfactory, shoot, answer the question, what is my absolute, what is absolutely necessary to achieve the desired outcome of this project, this initiative, whatever it is. So that's my, that's my, my, my standing theory. And I think that a lot of engineers, the reason I wanted to follow up on this is I think a lot of engineers fall into this trap. I think a lot of engineers, because we don't just want to build bridges between A and B, we want to build a badass bridge. We want it to be, you know, why, why would I do just a simple you know, a simple walking path when I can actually build a miniature golden gate over this, over this small chasm. Um, yeah. And we, well, there's, there's a, there's a truth. Yeah. That that's, that's good. And I think there's a, there's a truth there that I think you can still tap because you want to, you want to solve a problem and you want to be challenged and you want to be productive. And so it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole where, why are you doing this? What, what are, what are you doing here? But it starts out with to solve a problem. It starts out with to make a video to get an A for this class. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into, why am I doing this? Because I'm having fun. And so you see, as soon as you made that shift from doing it to get the A to doing it to having fun, you, you miss the requirement, right? Mm-hmm. Like that example is, that example is so perfect because That's as true. soon as your focus shifted way. away yeah. from getting the job done, now... You you violated the contract uh, if if we're talking software terms, right? And so I think, but how do you how do you take that how do you take that visceral innate? I think for a lot of us, just built in wiring to just go ham and and make the best thing and and like you're saying, really 
really do it well and nobody will, I'm going to build this, I'm going to build this footpath and nobody's ever going to have to build another footpath as long as we all live because this is going to be the last footpath in humanity, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think there's a way that we can try to refocus that energy so that we don't fall prey to what you're talking about. And that that would be this. Make the most minimum version of what is required mm-hmm. as well as you possibly can. Right. So you put those two things together. So I don't necessarily think you have to leave one aside to do the other. But if the goal is to make the best, most minimal version, I think then you have that's not just one constraint on what you're trying to do. It's two. And I find, you know, I think a lot of other folks do too. Trying to solve a, a problem, whether it's whether it's like at the architecture and design layer, or whether it's at like the middle latitudes of like service code, or even in the low level implementation details, those constraints unlock a lot of creativity. You know, the necessity is the mother of invention. That whole that whole attitude. So I think if you try to combine this and that like you almost golf it, like your goal is to make the best possible thing but make the minimal possible thing and do that mm. as elegantly and as perfectly as you can that i think like i will i'm next time i'm actually on a keyboard like i'm going to try this approach for myself um and see if i can channel that energy into that because i think the outcome is more productive you're going to save a heck of a lot of time as opposed to getting distracted and i think what you do when you do that though is cuz so many of us i think okay mvp means quick and dirty means cut corners, means low quality. And I think everybody every day struggles. I, I have a whole team of people right now that are, that are you know, upset. We're upset today. Uh, we're upset yesterday. We'll be upset tomorrow because we are working through the sins of the past. Right? We are working through trying to use things that were built not for the people that are using them, right? And so there's this pain where, okay, I want to build something new. I want to make sure that it doesn't hurt later. And so I think that's where that creeps in. That there's where that's that like we 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 spend so much time being pissed off about scope creep from our our stakeholders. We are the ones that do a lot of the scope creeping because we had so many extra requirements in our own head. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. you know, Weird. because because I don't want to be annoyed by this system like I was with the last one. And so I'm gonna solve all of the problems and you know, and again, I think that's where we start to get like emotional. And I know talking to, about software and emotion in the set, like that's, you know, you don't do that. Right. But I think that's where we start to get emotional connection between MVP and poor quality work. Those are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. And, and the emotion, I mean, I think a lot of this is born out of emotion. It's born out of this yeah. strong desire to feel a sense of accomplishment, to, you know, to deliver something that is of, a very high caliber, but it's just, I think your, your, your thought exercise is good because a lot of times that energy is, is misplaced. Yeah. And so how, because when you, your stakeholder says, get it done quick. Okay. Th- there are times where this is true, but generally speaking, uh, when you, your stakeholder says, Hey, we need to get this done quickly. They don't want you to do a bad job. No. Right. What they want to do is actually reduce the scope so that you can do a good job quickly. And so that's that's kind of what I'm right. Like and what shave, I'm off, at. shave off yeah. uh, pieces of it. And th- th- sometimes that can affect quality because you're not doing as much. But the things that are delivered should still be delivered. Well, well I think so. I think you have to separate. 
I think you have to be very careful about separating quality and completeness because those those can look the same, mm-hmm. but they are not necessarily the same. So right. like a well, half implemented, out. like a half implemented feature because I didn't do it or it's broken. Well, that's both. That's a completeness and a quality issue. But I would argue mm-hmm. that's actually just a quality issue because mm-hmm. the feature's there. It's just half there and it's busted. Um, at what 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 we want to do is separate completeness and quality. And you may have to leave completeness on the table, but that doesn't mean that you're setting yourself up for technical debt, right? That means, okay, I'm choosing not to build this thing right now, but I know at some point we're going to need it. So I'm going to leave myself a little space to do it, but I'm not going to spend my time there right now because I'd rather get all of the other things done completely and correctly and not start this at all rather than start this. Now I've got to deliver on it because I started it and now it's going to make everything more complicated. Now I'm going to have to cut corners in all the other areas if I'm going to get this thing done on time. And you see how that like that logic snowballs. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's a really good thing to point out. Like I am, I am going back in my head over previous projects and I'm seeing this class of error like all over the place. All the time. I mean, we're all, we're all guilty of it. That's why yeah, I this is to a, bring it this up. Is a, it's this a is huge a great problem. point, man. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a huge problem in in what we do, and it's it's well intentioned. It's always well intentioned, but the other, th- this also dovetails, I think, really nicely with how we interact with our counterparts on the business side. And again, as a reminder, the tech follows the business. The business is the is the decision making leader. Not the other way around. You, not the other way around. You are implementing. You as the engineer, as the developer, are implementing software code, whatever to facilitate whatever the business decisions are. As soon as you start thinking in the other direction, you have lost your way. So, so bring it back to that. But it, it's- Yeah, let's say that again. Let's say that again for the folks in the back. You serve the business, not the other way around, <laughs> dumbass. And I'm talking, to, I'm talking to former Chris here and I'm sure former Frank too. Like talking you to the serve the business, not the other way around. Yeah, that's right. I mean- there's a time and a place for for the you know f- for the ivory tower, but generally the the business case is, is not it. That's why I, that's why I work in the basement of the ivory tower. Anyway, so this dovetails really nicely with with interfacing with the non technical the business counterparts that are informing and driving the things that that you're that you're building. Because I think that the reason I think this is so important is not just because it it dictates your stress levels for your work. And the time that you spend and, and avoiding waste and things like that, it also has a major impact on how you inter- engage and interact with other people, notably non-technical people in and around the work that you do. We talked, I think last week, no, excuse me, a couple of weeks ago about how the, you, you don't, it's never you versus the other person. You know, when you're designing something, it's you and that other person versus the situation versus the problem. It's, you're trying it's to not solve. you versus me. It's us versus the problem. It's us versus yeah. the problem. This thought process of seeking perfection naturally aligns you against the business side because the business is looking for the ideal minimum viable solution. I don't want you to, I don't want you to give me too much. I don't want you to give me too little. I want it to be just right. I want it to be Goldilocks. We as engineers, oh no, I want to deliver the best, ultimate, most perfect example. And anything short of that, well, I mean, now, you know, them's fighting words. And yeah. so yeah. I, that's, so if we can you don't fight like quality, you want me to do a bad job? No, <laughs> sir. Exactly. And, and I mean, we have all heard conversations that go like that in, yeah. in, in business settings where 
business is asking for a thing and then the technical side is giving you all of these no's and why it can't work that way. And they're completely, they're, they're, they would be valid if we were trying to deliver the Golden Gate Bridge, but it's, it's just a little footpath bridge, you know, it, understanding yeah. the sense of scale and sense of scope. And so if we can naturally, if we can adjust our, our thought process to get away from always shooting for this ultimate perfection every time and, and shoot for, you know, identifying what is satisfactory and then working really hard to deliver really well inside of that satisfactory definition, a lot of that natural tension between you and the business counterpart, I think would go away. So that's why I, I think that I mean, this has an, a ripple effect throughout your work. It, it affects how you, how you develop your stuff, how you uh, work with others, all, all of that. It's, it's, I think it's a, it's a really important skill. And I mean, if you really want to push the envelope on the quality, the other way you talked about redirecting it into the MVP, the other way that I thought of was actually just, you know, pushing, pushing in other directions, like documentation. Like yeah. we, we always, right. you, you, engineers hate writing documentation. I get it. But I also don't care because it is absolutely it's part essential. of the job. It's part of the job. And as far as I'm concerned, your product, unless it is completely self-descriptive, which the vast majority of products are not. No, which yours they, isn't. Yours isn't. <laughs> I guarantee yours isn't. Whatever it is that you do or that you think you do, it's not self-descriptive. Wrong. Write <laughs> the damn docs. Your yeah. product doesn't exist until the documentation exists because that is the number one way most people are going to consume your stuff. So take the time. You don't need to be highly eloquent. You just need to be descriptive and succinct about what it is and what it does and what it does do and what it doesn't do sometimes. That's a great way to improve the quality of your work. And on top of that, it's it's shocking how much easier your life becomes on the long tail support end. When you've got documentation, you solve a whole bunch of problems for yourself out the gate, and then you're not dealing with questions that could be answered by a little simple documentation. And so that's a great way to improve quality without having to um, hit, uh, you, you extend the project or, you know, spend a bunch of extra time and things like that. And it's something that the business counterparts can immediately see and consume and appreciate, you know, because we all want to be recognized for our work. That's part of the reason why we're focused on quality. You want, you know, appreciate the awesome-tude of what I'm building. But a lot of times that awesome-tude is lost in technical nuance that people are just not going to understand or pick up unless they are you or somebody on your immediate team. But your documentation allows that awesomeness to shine through to other audiences. So take the time and give yourself the victory lap by describing all this awesome sauce stuff that you have, that you have built. Yeah, and I... You... you. <laughs> You blew me up. You you almost could not have set us up better for uh, today's Ask the Internet. Oh, we've got uh, one. Okay. We have one. Hold we on. One. Oh, my God. Movable printed type. All right. I, I, this, I, they, I, and folks, Frank and I, we don't talk about the show off the show, right? This is purely, I can't even believe this. It's off the uh, cuff. This is from, this is from Ask Programming. Uh, uh, title, how much emphasis is placed on code quality? <laughs> I am a freshman computer science student, and I'm curious about how much emphasis is placed on the quality of a programmer's code in the workplace. In school, 
Professors hand me assignments that require a specific way of doing things. I often feel like there's some of the code, I beg your pardon, I often feel like some of the code that I write for the assignments can be a bit redundant or a little messy, but my professors don't seem to care as long as the code does what it's supposed to do. I know that writing messy or redundant code is not considered best practice in the workplace, but to what extent is it bad? I couldn't ask this on CS career questions because I don't have enough car. Oh, okay. Um, Technicality. So I know that writing re- uh, messy, redundant code is not considered best practice in the workplace, but to what extent is it bad? Um, Ooh. As a perfect that's, companion to what we're talking really about here. Good. That's really, really good. I, 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 and I, it <laughs> could not time that better. Satisfactory. Perfect. Good enough. What is good enough? What is it that yeah. you need, I that find you need it, to do? But that's but even that you're you're sort of punting, right? You're saying not perfect. Okay, so then what is it? Well, good enough. Okay, but that's implied, right? Because you're not going to, yeah, the answer is not going to be bad. So I, my, I can, my, I'll give a real answer. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm going oh, to, yeah. I, yeah. I have a real answer in mind. So I, I, as a, so for junior developer, this is a freshman in college. So this is somebody who's, who's completely green. Let's, let's assume this person gets out of, gets out of college and moves into it. They'll be a junior developer. I think mm-hmm. the key, the key there when it comes to code quality, is for, for any given, this is much more of a, I, I think a microcosmic level of what we were talking about. There is a, and we're getting down to like bedrock here. There's a bare minimum threshold where your code should always be written well. In my ugly ass Google sheet formula generator that I've got, <laughs> when I write the code, I'm still trying to properly organize it and encapsulate it so that it, it makes sense so that it is maintainable, so that I'm not in, in uh, I'm reducing the risk of introducing bugs and things like that. There's these are just certain baselines that I'm always going for. Now, as a as a beginner, what that baseline is is going to move as you learn new things, as you learn new techniques, as you make mistakes. More importantly, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I realize how that screwed myself up. Well, I'm going to make sure I don't do that again. You know, global variables. Yeah, let's let's try and avoid those. I can see now. Super handy, but also super dangerous in, in you know, causing <laughs> complexity. So yeah. things like that, you're just going to learn over time and you're, you're, you develop your own. I think each engineer, each developer has their own style, their own um, techniques that they try and use, you know, the way that they organize their variables or the way that they um, organize their libraries and classes and things like that. But I mean, so there's. There's some of that. So I would say code quality, to answer this person's specific question, code quality absolutely matters. Your professors are primarily concerned at this point with making sure that you understand how to make the code work, understanding you know, how to actually get from input through the processing to the desired output. They want to see that A-B connection. They want to see Using our, this is why I use the bridge analogy for this stuff. They want to see that you can build the bridge. They want to see that you can connect A and B. Once you can connect A and B, well, now, now we get into the refactoring process and you can make all sorts of incremental improvements. And this is the way that I have done code since I was in college. I started with the assignment and I would complete the assignment. And if I had enough time left in the day, the week before it was due or whatever, if I wanted to, I would sit there and I would just iterate on it and I would make these little subtle improvements and that would help me improve the overall quality of the code. And so I still do that to this day, 
my baseline for what is my starting point has just gotten better because I've done more more than enough code to understand, oh, you know, I've applied the lessons learned. And so I start, you know, at a higher level. But then I go through the same process. I make it work. I don't worry too much about, okay, is this the most right, the most elegant? And I'll do that. Make it work. Connect A and B. And then go back and look at ways that you can improve and clean it up and things like that. So that's my, well, that, what do you think? But, well, because that's how it goes, right? The first time you solve the problem, there are so many unknowns. You're focused on trying to translate your understanding of the requirements into software that runs. Mm-hmm. You're not, I mean, there's Just almost not even a reasonable expectation yep. that it runs correctly. Just yep. that it runs, that it does something that you can then iterate on. Like the whole process is iterative. It's agile, right? That's the entire ethos of the thing. And so I think... What you said is exactly correct. Uh, there's there's one additional layer I can add on to it, though. When we say good enough, well, good enough for what? In my mind, I think it helps to define a time scale for which this should be fresh, right? So, like this software, uh, you know, put a put a use by date on the on the README, right? Think of it mm-hmm. that way. Okay, this software has got to be good enough. Good enough for what? Good enough for the next week good enough for the next two quarters, good enough for the next 10 years, right? Those are very different types of, there are very different types of implications with respect to quality when you say this has to be good enough for the next seven days versus the next seven months. Um, Mm -hmm. Because over that time period, over that use by that freshness seal date, you have to maintain the thing. Right? And there are going to be things that go wrong over time. The more time, the more things that are going to go wrong, the more you have to spend on error handle, like all of these sorts of things. So I think it can be helpful um, helpful to know. And it's kind of like uh, like a 101 design thing, but like how long, if the system's going to be in production, in, in whatever sense that means, how long is it expected to be there for? Because mm-hmm. that will keep, just keeping that in the back of your mind allows you to kind of triangulate the level of good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And for these, I, I like your expiration date idea because especially in this context of, of a classroom with lessons and things like that, that's going to be until the, until it's due yeah. and, and, and get the highest possible grade. You know, you only need to do enough to reach the A as soon as that's it. And you've handed it in done. I mean, the platinum, it, it's, it's off the, sh- it, it's done. My, my, uh, my spreadsheet thing that I'm, I'm building it's not, it doesn't have a whole lot of elegant error c- catching because it's really just for me to use and to demonstrate to others. And for, it's also a way for me to organize my thoughts. I'm using, I'm using a little bit of error catching just to, to identify business cases that we need to watch out for, mm-hmm. but it's only, it's not super elegant and I'm not, I'm not planning it for a high, for, for a long-term shelf life. So I'm not spending a lot of time doing that kind of stuff. That's also why I built it in a Google app spreadsheet. It was just fast and easy. If yeah. I was really committed to this thing, it would be a repository. It would have a, you know, a full, a full code base. It would have a front and a back end. It would have a database and, and all that kind of stuff. And it would make some of my life easier. You know, there are things that I'm kind of like struggle bussing through because I'm using this, this, you know, yeah, you know, less, less sophisticated platform. But I also, I also traded away a whole bunch of complexity that I don't need to worry but, about. But again, what's what's the ROI? What's right? the ROI? You're going to spend 10 exactly. hours making that perfect to save yourself 40 minutes of of data entry? You know, like it just doesn't make sense because yeah, you're going to use sense. this exactly once, yeah. you know? Exactly. Um, but yeah, the professor to, to OP, yeah, uh, good enough for a specific time scale. And the reason that your professor, just to recap kind of what you said, Frank, the reason your professor um, 
uh, doesn't care about quality is because what he's concerned is do you understand the mechanics of the language, the syntax, the control structures? Do you understand how to manipulate data in and data out and how to get it from A to B? Um, and and did it meet the requirement, right? And to some extent, your boss, uh, your business, I should say, your stakeholders don't even care about that much. They care, does it produce the right answer? Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't. They don't even know how it's made right now. It's it's your job as you mature in your profession, and it's your boss's job to try to, or your lead, or whatever your team is structured to help you understand how code quality impacts cost and revenue and so forth over time. But um, yeah, couldn't have couldn't have been a better timed uh, ATI mm-hmm. if there ever was one. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. We must keep this from the serfs, lest they gain literacy and threaten the landed gentry. All right, that so that's. Another one in the bag. We're that's the last double digit. Whoop whoop. It is the last now, double I'm digit. So glad that we did uh, a three digit spacing. I <laughs> the told numbers. you, man. It went faster yep. than you thought. Yeah, it went yeah, faster than you it thought. It does. So now we're now we're good for hopefully a little bit. Another nine hundred. Yeah, yeah, that should be all right. I, I think <laughs> th- that's a again satisfactory. I, I will I will punt for the the issue of four digit episodes to future me. As a, yeah. as a, I yeah. file that and the good problems to have further down the line. Yagni, but, but hopefully we is going to need it. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's just keep going. I mean, if we can, if we can get ourselves on a, get these damn episodes out with some regularity, which is nah, not, you, that's that not just right you, there. that's me too. I mean, that's me too. No, I, we, we will, we will talk about that next week a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, if uh, you have thoughts on how we've done so far with our first uh, 99, we'd love to hear from you. Feedback at refactor.work. If you want to check out the back episodes, show notes, links, uh, we will have a link to our uh, Ask the Internet friend here. And uh, you can check all that out over at the website, refactored.work. If you want to read from more from Chris's writings, you can check him out at Tonkinson.com. If you want to hear more from me, you can check me out at Hot Coals, K-O-E-H-L-S. Dot com. And this has been episode 99 of the Refactor Podcast recorded on March 7th, 2023. Have a good one, Chris. Thanks, Frank. You too.